0: You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest-growing audio medium in the U.S., from law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media/cbf to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, Please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Columbus Business First newest episode of the Women of Influence podcast. I'm your host, Emily Bench, and this podcast features a sit-down chat between me and some of the sharpest and most successful women executives in Columbus. In it, we talk about the professional risks they've taken and the ups and downs of getting to where they are today. With us today on the show is Tasha Booker, Executive Director of City Year Columbus and Vice President of City Year Inc., where she develops and leads City Year Columbus's annual and long-term strategies and priorities for school and community impact, operations, and finance. Tasha, thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Thank you. I'm excited
1: to talk. Tasha has nearly two decades of nonprofit and K-12 education experience, Prior to leading City Year Columbus, she served as the director of development and public relations for I Know I Can, a college access organization, and has helped leader- and has held leadership roles for United Way of Central Ohio, the Boy Scouts of America, and Nationwide Children's Hospital. Are also some of those. She was recognized as Business First 2014 Class of 40 Under 40, the Class of 2017 Smart Business Executive Directors of the Year, and as a 2017 Young American Leadership Program Fellow and Pharma Institute Next Gen Fellow. Tasha was recognized by Weld Ohio as a 2018 Woman Welding the Way Honoree, a 2018 Progressive Woman by Smart Woman Columbus, and received an honorary doctorate for community leadership from Franklin University. That is an impressive bio. Let's start quickly with just a rundown of your resume and when, you know, what it took to get kind of to where you're at now backwards.
2: (laughs) Yeah. A lot of hard work. Yeah. (laughs) Um a real commitment to my values, getting clear about my values, what was important to me. And I learned that while working in the nonprofit sector for for over 20 years now. When I started college, you know, I thought I wanted to be something else, do something else.
1: What were you
2: thinking? I was a biochemistry major at Ohio State. Wow. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes, yes, I had declared, you know, biochemistry. Uh, but just, you know, realized that wasn't what I could envision myself doing. But I knew I needed a college education. At the time, I uh, was first generation college going in my uh, family. Not a lot of, you know, support. Right to, to get to college, so you you know kind of haphazardly fumble your way you know through through college and and through life, and I was very fortunate that I've had a lot of women um, really invest in me, right, and see something in me more than I often would see in myself, and. I had roles that I weren't, was not remotely qualified for, right? But people saw something in me. Um, and and I, I really can't take credit for, for all of that because there were, I really, you know, being young, nineteen twenty you don't know um, what you want, it, want to do. And ultimately I had, you know, some, some women leaders right here in Columbus say, you know, it's not enough for you to just work and go to school and go home. You need to get engaged in the community and through volunteerism. And uh, I was you know, working at Nationwide Children's Hospital before it was Nationwide Children's Hospital. Um,
1: in, like, the biochemistry space? No, in the okay. education department, right? Okay. And I think
2: that's what uh, started me down this path of just, just education, period. But it was health education. And I had, you know, our organization leader um, really take an interest in me and put me on, place me on committees within the hospital. That stretched me. I was this 19, 20-year-old kid. I had I no appreciation for this space. Right? I nuts. had no, no appreciation at the time for the space that I was occupying and having a seat at the table very early. And I think that has, what has been so important is that the the people, the women in my life and men to have Invited me to these spaces very early to come in and and learn. And I was just like a sponge. But I also contributed. And so, you know, Nationwide Children's Hospital led to an opportunity with the Boy Scouts and their non traditional scouting program, the education space. And I really got to see the disparities that exist between school districts. I was, you know, kind of working in the seven contiguous counties and got to see rural schools and public schools and suburban school districts. And um, I'm from Columbus. Okay Born and raised, I'm a Columbus City School's graduate by way of uh, Fort Hayes by way of Mifflin okay. um, of high school and you you think that everyone's education was like yours until you are exposed to you know other other districts and so from Boy Scouts, I was actually volunteering and, and uh, going through the uh, YWCA's Gen Y leadership program at the time, so I, I met someone who was working at the United Way and we hit it off and she gave my name for an opportunity and a couple months later, I was in this really unique role where I was exposed to the community and met really great people. Um, but also got a chance to, to see the needs of, of people in our community, right? Yeah. That not everyone had the same opportunities or exposure that I had. And from there, it really sparked my interest in education. What I, what I, f- I felt like was the, the disparity. If you didn't have health insurance, if you didn't have a sustainable income, it was due to a lack of education and quality education. And I, you know, started my graduate degree. While working at United Way, I was very fortunate to have, you know, a, an employer at the time who really believed in the, in the power of education and supported me going back to school. Where'd you go? So I uh, went to grad school at Mount Vernon, Nazarene, and my undergrad is in marketing uh, at from Franklin University, hence the, the honorary doctorate from that university. But, you know, I was volunteering for I Know I Can, uh, again, that volunteer service, uh, and the executive director, you know, asked me if I would be interested in I worked there for four years, and the opportunity came up to be the executive director for City Year. And I remember her coming to me and saying, you you need to just apply. Yeah. I think you're going to get it. It's your time. And here I am almost five years later uh, serving in this role.
1: Wow. What's something – okay, well, first of all, I have, like, a million questions from what you just told me because that's <laughs> all sounds fascinating. But my first question – What's something that maybe you wouldn't put on your resume that was important in your career that's not necessarily like a job, but mm-hmm. something fascinating about you that maybe you would tell someone if it wasn't on a resume?
2: Oh, my goodness. That's a tough one. I don't, I don't think of myself as that, as that that interesting. Oh, you are. I, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I played the violin. Uh, I haven't kept up with it. And I am really interested in doing that again. Uh, there's such a discipline to playing stringed instruments that I, I want to to capture again uh, in my life. I really enjoyed that. I played that from elementary school to middle school, kind of right at that age where... It's no longer cool to be rocking walking around with your your violin case on the bus and I wore glasses and oh you know I just looked like that quintessential kind of nerd. Now nerds rule, right? Yeah. Thanks to Big Bang. You know, I was I'll just say I was ahead of my time. Yeah, right? you were like you were
1: trendy before it was cool.
2: Yeah, and so I I really had of a desire to to get back in that. And so I think I'm going to pick up I'm going to pick that back up uh, again, just as, you know, as a hobby. Uh, I have friends who who are actually, you know, who actually play. And I'm thinking I want to do that. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk to you about biochemistry. What made you
1: feel like that was the space you wanted to go into? And I, and I talk, I say this all the time. Like, it is so hard when people ask kids in high school, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, Mm -hmm. no one knows when Mm -hmm. you're 16, but what about it intrigued you enough to declare as a major?
2: Yeah. So I was really good in science and yeah. chemistry and biology, and I in high school. And I think just because a kid is like really good in something doesn't mean that that's what they're going to do, you know. Sure. And we often kind of track our kids to a certain certain direction. And science came easy. The chemistry side came came easy to me, but actually catapulting that catapulting that into a career just didn't sound that interesting. And I remember uh, my first semester at Ohio State, sitting in you know the science you know first. freshman science and it's like you know if you're not interested in in science and 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 doing this work going to school essentially for about 15 years because you really want to get a you know your undergrad your your graduate degree probably a doctorate, you know, a fellowship somewhere, study Mm -hmm. abroad. And here I am like, I just want to get out of school in four years, right? Because at the time it was four, you know, you got out of school in four years. Mm -hmm. That just didn't sound attractive Mm -hmm. to me. And also not seeing anyone in the, in the field at that time, this was before STEM. This was before STEM for girls, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't see anyone that looked like me in that field to really encourage me to continue on. I'm not, it's a wonderful career. Like I'm trying to coach my son. He wants to be an engineer do it. Right. But back then, you know, yeah, understanding I'm dating myself 22 years ago, that wasn't a thing. STEM sure. education was not a thing. And so there was not a lot of resources and support for mm-hmm. someone like me to, to navigate such a complicated field.
1: Yeah. So did you switch majors? I did. Okay. I actually
2: left Ohio State. So I left Ohio State and I love Ohio State. My mother just graduated from the Glenn School with her graduate degree, right? I'm so proud of I her. I love
1: that. How yes. old is she?
2: She is 57. That's and amazing. you know, she I, you know is no longer too embarrassed to to, to hmm. share. She was a teen mom. Hmm. Right. And so my mother represents, you know, someone who you're never too old to to live the life that you always wanted. And she worked her way up. She never accepted mediocrity. She pushed me to pursue my dreams. She, she, you know, she put her dreams on hold, right, to raise her kids, to to give us, a, you know, a good life as good as she could she could give us, and decided she's going to get her degree. So. I'm, uh, I'm, you know, really proud of that. But I actually, I actually left Ohio State. I went to Columbus State at the time. They had just started their multimedia um, program, so mm-hmm. I have a degree in interactive multimedia. And I leveraged that to Franklin University. Uh, they had just started their. At the time it was called like, the bridge program, okay, or a similar name, where my credits transferred. And so I did t- completed two years at Franklin University with a degree in marketing. Okay, and then you know took some time off. I had my son. And decided to go back Hmm. uh, for my graduate degree in education, so I'm actually a licensed um, teacher as well.
1: Oh my gosh! Okay, so how long did you take off with your to
2: take care of yourself? Uh, Not long. I got antsy. I love learning. I love education. Yeah. (laughs) So I about two years, and so he was four, going on five when I actually graduated with my with my master's degree. Okay, awesome. So I would love to talk
1: to you a little bit more about city years. So you are not only the executive director for Columbus's, I guess, branch of City Year, but mm-hmm. you're also the vice president over the national organization mm-hmm. of City Year. So tell me, what is it you guys do? What yeah. makes you so excited about it? Because it's clear that you you love what you do.
2: Yeah, so we, the executive director role for City is really unique role. So yes, you are the executive director here in Columbus and so, or in your city, we're in 29 cities, including Columbus you are responsible for you know, your organization here in Columbus. And at a national level, it really makes you a part of that 29 city network. We're 29 cities, two international affiliates, two in the UK and one in South Africa. Uh, and so it, it really um, helps you think about the work we're doing in education on a macro level, right? So for our nation and our country, not just, you know, helping students in, in need within Columbus city schools, but thinking about as a nation, how do we help students who may be at risk of dropping out and really helping to combat, combat the dropout crises that we, we face, um, across the U S right. So, really involved in some national, you know, pilots and national studies. And, um, you know, we have input into the direction of the national organization. So that's a really unique role. And,
1: And at the local level, do you have teachers or are they volunteers? How does that work?
2: City Year Columbus is an AmeriCorps program, so um, very much like the Peace Corps, you mm-hmm. sign up through AmeriCorps, and we have 62 recent college grads, young adults between the ages of 18 to 25. Fun fact: I think one of our last podcasts, up Liz Brown,
1: City yes, South. Elizabeth yeah. Brown, she yes. did that.
2: Her and her sister yeah. did that. Yes, That's and her awesome. dad, Sherrod Brown, is a huge supporter okay. of City Year, um, and so we're excited to have their support, but. Absolutely correct. Okay. Um, so it's an AmeriCorps program. You, you, like I said, you sign up through through AmeriCorps to serve. You know, in Columbus or in the other twenty-eight mm-hmm. the twenty-eight sites across the the U.S. And you serve ten months with us, working in in schools. Um, alongside your your peers. And we support students who might be struggling in math, English, behavior and attendance in study, which studies have have shown that those are considered early warning indicators of a student who might be at risk of dropping out, right? So if by third grade, you're not reading at grade level, you have significant, you know, maybe behavior challenges or attendance in math, we want to help get you on track to 10th grade Because if you can get a student on track by 10th grade to stay on track by 10th grade, they're three times more likely to graduate than a student who is off track. So we at City Year Columbus have made a seven-year promise um, to our students that when you start with City Year, if you have City Year in third grade, we're going to follow you. Maybe not the same AmeriCorps member because you're only serving 10 to 20 months. You can do two years, but that you will have the program throughout elementary and and, um, through high school. Okay, So, and, you know, I'm really excited that, you know, in the last five years, you know our organization has nearly doubled in every area. Right, we're doubled the number of students we're able to serve. We've doubled the number of schools that we that we're in. We've doubled our, our revenue thanks to the the generosity of the Columbus community. Doubled in staff, right? Because we need we need that su- the support. We have plans to grow again in the in the very near future to help support the Linden um, community um, and yeah. go into the elementary and middle school and the high school. And you know, I mean the the age moniker, you know, as goes the schools, so does the community, and we don't want that community to go down. There's such vibrancy um, in that community. I am from the Linden community. I have family in the still living in the Linden community. And so obviously it's very personal to me to to invest in those communities. But all of our communities deserve the support of, of City Year. All of our students, you know, deserve this, the support uh, of City Year. And so we are working really hard to serve as many students as we possibly can, you know, to to help increase the graduation rate.
1: What is your favorite part of doing all this, like being the boss and leading this kind of an organization? What's your favorite part?
2: Really, it's the people. It sounds cliche. To say, but it, it really is the the people that, the the Americorps members who choose to serve. Some are f- not from Columbus, and we have a, a, a high percentage of of Americorps members who were here, you know, because of Ohio State or uh, some other um, college or university. But they are people who have come as far as Seattle from other countries that have come here to to do this program, and you know, hearing their stories, celebrating the differences, but also appreciating you know where we are much more similar than we are. Mm-hmm. Um, um, different, And you, even if you live in another country or you live in another city, the challenges that our students are facing today are very similar regardless of where you live, right? And so uh, that has been unique. And then our staff, you know, you can serve anywhere. You can work anywhere in Columbus. We have a very strong nonprofit community in in Columbus. And I've had the same staff, you know, for quite some time. I appreciate growing and learning and wrestling with some of our, you know, of our challenges. Uh, And it, you know, it's kind of what excites me every day, even though there's days I go home really, really challenged. I'm excited to go to work the next day and say, let's, let's figure this out together. Let's wrestle with this together that was
1: one of my questions do you work closely with the students themselves or as at at the executive director level are you more working with the staff who are in turn working with the students
2: so I am working yes I am working more with the staff than I than I am with the students but I'm excited that I get to spend time in the schools I've you know I've been a career speaker yeah you know I will go to the schools to spend time with our AmeriCorps members so they get to know me a little bit better and I get to know them I get to see them in their space where they're comfortable and you know I like to show up to see what's happening in our schools every day I think that it's important for leaders to be proximate to the work right like the job is is you know diverse I have to raise money because I uh, am a vice president for the national organization there's travel it takes me away from getting close to the work but I find Time at least once a month to make sure that I am proximate. Whether it's showing up to schools, whether it's you know doing lunch with our uh, impact staff who are in the school in the schools, or having a conversation with them, spending time with our AmeriCorps members, either you know one on one or by teams by school, it's really important to keep me connected to the work.
1: Mm-hmm. I always think about this. I, I have some friends who are in social work, which I thought about social work for a while in college, and then realized. I'm not the kind of person that can emotionally detach when I go home uh, and I realize it's just not the right career field for me because of that. Is that something that you deal with with working with these students? Um, How do you deal with that going home, whether that's relayed from your staff onto Mm -hmm. you from students? Like, what what is that like for you?
2: It's hard, it's tough. It it makes you realize that, you know, as tough as it is, that our students need our help now more than ever. Families, we have students dealing with with trauma. Um, They're dealing with food insecurity, housing instability. There are a lot of challenges that our families and our students are facing every day and i think that's what continues to motivate me you know to do this work right to knowing that you know we can't help everyone it's just it's just not realistic but let's really lean into the folks that we can help and, and provide support but it is a challenge right and so you know making sure you find ways to do self care you know, we, we practice that at, at the, you know, at our office with our AmeriCorps members where Fridays they have learning and development days where they're there, they do some training. But we also find ways to have fun together to kind of decompress, take a step back from the, the, the work and, you know, put on our oxygen mask first. You You know, hurt people, broken people cannot help people. Right. And so how do we continue to feed the souls of the, of the caregivers? Right. So take care of the caregivers is so important. You know, and I personally really try to make sure I take my vacation time. Um, it's, it's, it's never a good time in the education space to take time because it means that, you know, school's in 10 months out of the mm-hmm. year, you know, about um, nine months out of the year. It's just never a good time, but you have to take it anyway. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, really good about that and trying to encourage the staff to take their vacation time. Finding ways to to step back from the work, uh, in the even in the evenings, you know, really try hard not to take too much work home. I know that's not our common practice in our society. You know, we're constantly on. Exactly. I've I've placed boundaries around my weekends anymore. It's like these have to be, you know, for my family. It's time for my my young son who's eleven, he'll be twelve, and my husband, and my five pound dog Skittles. <laughs> But, um, you know, you just have to so that you can lean back in. And it's not that I'm not thinking about the work even on my downtime, right. right? But I find that when I've had a chance to step away, I'm much more innovative. I'm much more energized to think about the work more holistically and creative, creatively than just kind of going on this mm-hmm. grind where it, it, it starts to feel rote, right? Like, you know, get up, go to work every day. You know, it just yeah. becomes... Um, a routine and I really wanna stay passionate about the work.
1: It seems like you just have such a passion for what you do Mm Um, which is obviously related to the specific work. But how do you keep that passion going for 20 years? You know, I think it's it's easy to be excited and passionate about something for short stints of time. But how do you keep that flame kind of always going?
2: You know, it's tough. I don't know. I think maybe it's it's I'm built that way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my family laughs. I mean, I get on something and I just don't let it go. And I'm just really interested in it. You know, I try to read up on our industry and our sector and what's happening across the nation. You know, I think I stay passionate, not just about Columbus, but just nationwide. I mean, you know, we live in America, which is supposed to be one of the greatest places to live and grow and, and opportunity. And yet our, our our citizens don't all have the same opportunity and exposure. And, you know, there are days where I'm thinking, like, what am I doing, right? Like, <laughs> why am I still here? But I, I think about my own upbringing and my my background parallels some of the stories of our students. And I think, oh, my God, there's so many Tasha Booker Fowlers that are still in our districts and all they need is that that opportunity. There is not a skills gap. It's an opportunity gap and there's an exposure gap. You know, if I can do, do something to help someone, I'm certainly going to do it. I, I just... You know, I I feel bad when I know that I could have helped and I didn't. Right. And so it's a little bit of my moral compass. But I also stay passionate by not overdoing it. And I think having other interests, I'm certainly interested in women's issues. Right. And the pay gap, you know, providing opportunities for women. So it's not just all about education. I think education, though, is the you know, the, the catalyst for so many people. For self-sufficiency and and for closing the skills gap and and for closing, you know, the wealth gap. When I volunteer or when I serve with other organizations, I'm always like, I I know I have this background in education, but I can do other things. And I think that's what allows. So you don't get that burnout. It's like all you do is in is in education or is in um, kind of you know the the the, uh, social justice equity work. You have to take a step back from it yeah. so that you, again, going back to just so that you can really lean into the work. So it's not my life 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a boss when I was at United Way tell me, do your job, don't become your job. Mm-hmm. And I have that for the past 10 years. That has really been my motto because you do get the burnout when you start to feel like you are this job right? Like you are, the job is not going to, the work is not going to get done. The job is not going to get done if you aren't in this role. Right. And so I, all that
1: weight, on all that weight. Yeah.
2: Right. And you know, we, like I said, I have a really talented team. And so we, you know, we certainly share in the, in the successes yeah. of the organization.
1: Are you the kind of person that thrives leading and being in front of a team of people like steering the ship, or do you perform more like a behind the role or behind the scenes kind of role? What kind of personality are you?
2: I won't say I thrive in the front. (laughs) uh, There's this activity that, uh, you know, I I did in one of my leadership, you know, programs I went through. And it's like, where are you in your family lineage? You know, are you the firstborn, second? And I I think just by very nature of being the the eldest child, you (laughs) you end up in these roles of of leadership. Sometimes unwanted and unsolicited. Uh, And so I just naturally kind of have that that. What what people would say leadership qualities, or you know, just kind of this take charge um, type of personality and, and attitude. But I certainly am comfortable behind the scenes. I don't. I don't need you know to be the person with my name in the marquee lights. I, I really try hard to give uh, the you know the team opportunities to to lead. I have a fabulous team. They are educated. I mean, there is over a hundred years of nonprofit experience and leadership between our leadership team, and so certainly I let them take the you know take the reins. Um, and so it, it, that doesn't drive me or motivate me to, to be leading cause it's hard, yeah. right? I mean, you are, it's, it's a lot of risk, your name and reputation is, is, is out there and you have, you put a lot on, on the line and you make a lot of sacrifices that people don't talk about often, right? Like time with your family is limited. Time doing the things you want to do is limited. So I don't think that I, that's what motivates me. It's almost like I just, somebody has to do it. Yeah. So let's just get it done. And I, and I, and I believe very firmly that so much work can get done when it doesn't matter who gets the credit. And that's what I'm more focused on. Like let's serve these kids to the best of our ability. And it doesn't matter if I'm the one who was leading leading that work. I don't need that credit to yeah. to motivate me. It's nice. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Sure. Like it's, it's nice. But that credit isn't what's helping our students and our families thrive in, in Central Ohio.
1: So I want to pivot a little bit and talk about some other things. Like you just said, you're very passionate about women's issues. And so I want to talk a little bit about that since I think that's kind of the crux of what our podcast mm-hmm. is all about. I would love to talk with you from your experience in in different nonprofit organizations. What has negotiating for yourself been like? Is that something you like doing or do you dread it? Because even the most extroverted, friendly, like, (laughs) love-to-talk people don't like it.
2: (laughs) It's it's not something that came naturally to me. You know, you are, particularly for women, we're raised to be humble, right? And show grace and humility, and that often means not talking about our successes, Mm -hmm. being boastful. Um, And so it is a challenge because you don't want anyone to think that you're arrogant or that you think you're better than other people. Uh, and so it's been a, it's a, it's been a difficult balance. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I think I'm more empowered now just because I am much more aware now than I was, you know, in my early career about the disparities you wouldn't know. I mean, and, and we, there also wasn't a lot of transparency on salary mm-hmm. and benefits and opport and how opportunities are created. Right? And right now there's a lot more transparency. Thanks to the internet. <laughs> thanks to Google. Um, <laughs> Now you have access to see when you aren't getting your just due. Right. Not entitlement. But, you know, I want equal pay for equal work. Sometimes it's not even equal work. Sometimes it's like I've worked harder. <laughs> like, you know, if we measure, yeah. you know, apples to apples. I've worked I've worked <laughs> harder and you deserve that. Right. And you want to be fairly compensated for the sacrifices that you make you know, I'm empowered to do so. I still think that there's a a bit of grace that goes with that a little bit. But, you know, we're angry. I'm, you know, I'm angry that we're still having this discussion in 2019 about, you know, fair pay, that we're still having the discussion about paid maternity leave. Come on. You know, we're living in the stone ages at this point. And, you know, to, to, to hear things like, you know, America's the only developed country that still doesn't have mandated maternity leave. Right, you know, so the, those things frustrate me because I'm like, of all the, all of the challenges that people are facing, we're still talking about things, we're still discussing Roe Ro v. Wade, right? Whatever you feel about that, it's like. Why are we still discussing women's issues like this, right? Discussing my body, discussing if I can have a have a baby and mm-hmm. still maintain my job and and do it well. In a way that men just have never yeah. had to address. And the majority,
1: majority is men who are discussing this,
2: yes. not women. Yeah, so when yeah. I say we, right? right. It's really it's right. really it's really men and and it, it just and, and women have we have every glass, you know, ceiling, we have broken. We have broke through the military, through you know the private sector, but yet we still have a disproportionate number of women on on corporate boards, and we still having these 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 discussions. And so, I I feel empowered by that to speak up more, to speak out, and and also not be so nice about it, right? I think playing <laughs> nice is what's gotten us to this to this role, kind of playing our position and playing our role. And so, I've I've gotten more interested and fired up about still having to talk about you know these type of issues in 2019 almost 2020 yeah. And I think that's what is, like, that fuels a little bit of that, you know, I have to advocate for myself and and the next generation. And even though I'm raising a a son, it's important for him to see what his view or shape his view of what leadership is. It isn't the person that's leading the organization. That's that's great. But leadership is also about speaking up about injustices and not just speaking up but also doing something about it.
1: Yeah. I think something I was just thinking about is I don't know how – Often students see you, but I just would. It makes me really excited to think about the students of the schools that you go in. Little girls can see like themselves in you and be like, "I could be." I mean, maybe they wouldn't say it this way, but like, "I could be a kick-ass businesswoman someday, <laughs> like you are." And that's so cool that they get to actually see that and. I know that's that's really awesome.
2: It is. They call me Big City Year. Oh my know? Gosh. like, Oh my God! That's the Big City Year. That's the that's the, the big boss of City Year. It's it's hilarious, that's and so um, cute. you know it is. It's important. You know, not just not just for girls. Certainly, girls. Yeah. Even little black girls who you know who don't get to see you know women in in, yeah. in leadership in those roles outside of television, mm-hmm. right? Um, Which is a very like certain painted picture. <laughs> it is a it is a it is a painted picture. But that they can they they are you know we exist and we're real and you can touch us. And I show up with my naturally curly hair, right? I'm not trying to um, fit into Mm -hmm. any type of image that you can be yourself. You can be authentic. You can show up. And that's just women, period. And I, I see some of our AmeriCorps members, even though they've gone to college, when, you know, what pulls me back to the work is when I have young AmeriCorps members, female AmeriCorps members say, gosh, I went through college and never saw one black professor or I never saw a, a female professor. And although I'm not a professor, just think being in leadership, for them to say that to me, it's like, you know, I, I have to stay in this role, not 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 just with, you know, city or but in a, I have to be leading yeah. um, so that I can continue to to see, you know, set examples and and you know, our, we say it all the time at City but, like, you know, our kids can't be us if they don't see us. Absolutely. That's for all children. Absolutely. And so this, it's important to continue to be that, that example and that role model for yeah. kids.
1: Being not only just a woman in the workplace, but a woman of color in the workplace, what has that been like for you? And do you have any particular advice or... Thoughts for other women of color Mm -hmm. who are thinking of going, whether that's business or whether that's Mm -hmm. biochemistry. To be honest, I don't even know what that is. But, like, what, (laughs) whether that, whatever the field is, like, what kind of advice would you have from them from your career?
2: You know, if you're thinking about do it. You know, just just, um, you know, just do it. You know, network. It's important to network not just with women who look like you, though. I've had right. support from white men, white hmm. female, you know, you know, white uh, women, um, black men and, and, and women. And, you know, it's important to to expand your network and, and get outside of your comfort zone. But also don't wait for the invitation. I don't think I was. You know, certainly at Children's Hospital, I was young, so you you get more invited. But I just started showing up to things. I would go to events. I would talk to people and and get to know folks. You know, relationships matter. There's no self-made woman or 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 or, or men. I think that's important, regardless if you're if you're if you're black or not. It, you know, I will say it. it you know, it has been a challenge sometimes to be in this role. I walk into spaces where it's maybe two of us, two people of color, or, you know, I've gone places where I am the only one. And that's a challenge. And and you, you, you do start to look at situations through your diversity lens. And it, sometimes it's hard for me to be the person of color in the room, bringing up the fact that there's a lack of diversity, not just with race. There's a lack of diversity with gender, perspectives, sexual orientations, faith. Like you have, a, We have to consider all of those things because that's the only thing that's going to move. Diversity is the only thing that's going to move the country forward. When you start talking about getting a, a difference in opinions, you want people to have different experiences. And, you know, black people aren't a monolithic being, right? We're just as diverse with backgrounds and experiences and sure. perspectives. We're not all Democrats, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you know? And so you want to bring that to the table. And I think that, you know, for people, for women, Black women who are thinking about, you know, going into leadership, put yourself out there, right? I, for the longest, you know, had a chip on my shoulder because of my, my, my um, you know, upbringing and background and not having what I perceived as the the quintessential family unit and that support, that also can be leveraged in the workplace, right? And what it means is that you're advocating and fighting for people who who don't get those opportunities. I talked a little bit about exposure. We need more women, period, but we definitely need more Black females leading. I think we bring this uniqueness to us, uh, a level of Authenticity, which I'm just getting to the point in my life where I can appreciate when someone tells me, I appreciate you being authentic. I used to cringe at that because, you know, what authenticity used to mean is like you're candid. You're like, you know, rough around the edges and you tell it like it is. And that's not necessarily what it means. What it means is I don't know who else to be other than me. You have to as women, we need to be able to bring that into the to the workplace so that people can be themselves. Right. Whether it's how you look. I mean, if you come in, you know, with your tatted sleeve or your, your earrings, we just need to be men have been able to do it. Right. They have been able to do it. They have broken through. I'm going to dress down, you know, cut off jeans and tennis shoes. And the moment a woman does, it's like, oh, you know, you're called into H.R. for appropriate dress. And It's like had to fight for everything. You know, 10 years ago, you wouldn't you know, as a black woman, you wouldn't have wore your hair like this. I would have straightened my hair for an interview like this because I want it to be accepted. I want it to feel I want people to feel safe. Not that I was, you know, an Afro is seen as like militant. And now I'm like, I don't it's hot and the humidity will fry my hair. From, like I'm gonna wear my hair curly. It's amazing. Right. And so we need more and more people who are just daring to be themselves and yeah. and we can we can all just appreciate the diversity of one another, whether you're black, white, Indian, Asian, yeah. you know, I just think that um black women can can help with more of that acceptance.
1: Does that make networking harder at all when you walk in and you're like Uh, Not only am I one of the only women here, but I'm one of the only one of probably only a few black women here. Is does that make it more intimidating? Not for me. (laughs) Um, You don't feel? I don't feel like you're afraid of anything. You're amazing. Oh,
2: (laughs) I'm afraid of a lot. (laughs) I'm afraid of a lot, and I definitely do a lot of self coaching (laughs) to walk into these spaces. I, you know, I still sometimes that that chip a little bit. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in this space with these people, and then it's like, you're in this space with these people, and you've earned it. And I think the more we tell women that they've earned it, that they've deserved it, that they've worked hard for this, nobody gave us a pass, the more we can get comfortable being in those spaces that we never thought we would ever be in. Um, and, and that's important. But I also am someone that I choose to focus on our similarities and differences, right? Like when you just talk to people and you hear their story, I love to listen to people's. We At City Air, we do this activity called Life's Work. And it's like how did you end up at City Year? We're a really unique organization. You know, we're a social, social justice organization. How did you end up here? And so it's people tell their very much like I told you my story of my, my upbringing. Um, we ask people to do that. And you realize that some of the people who you thought had it easy really didn't. And not that you have to have a triumph over tragedy story, but that we have similar, you know, views and perspectives and The the way we think about raising our family, that is what is going to bring us together. Not focusing on you might vote Republican or you might vote Democratic or I pray to this God and you pray to that. You know, we're so quick to... That's easy, Mm -hmm. right? That's the easy part to point out the differences. You and I just vibed over like loving casual dress mm-hmm. or just talking about our dogs right mm-hmm. like th- those are the those are the type of conversations and storytelling that are going to bring people together so I I choose to do that when I'm in those spaces instead of focusing on I'm the only one yeah. I recognize it like it's hard not sure. to I certainly recognize it I certainly acknowledge it but I, I try not to stay in that space right because you'll miss so many great relationships with people by focusing on what is dividing us yeah Okay,
1: so now I have my, my quick my quick question section. So I'm oh, gonna the just ask seat. you, yeah, hot seat. I'm gonna ask you a couple questions and just tell me the first thing that comes to your head. So, what is the biggest myth about being a
2: female executive? Oh, that we're emotional.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. What did you want to be when you grew up? When you were a kid,
2: I just wanted to work downtown and wear high heels. <laughs> didn't know what they did. I just wanted to be one of those women. I
1: was like that. Like, no, I get what you're saying. That's amazing. How do you feel about being classified as a female executive instead of just an executive director?
2: You know, I don't really think about it. I think yeah. women are unique, right? And so you want to give me that female executive label? I like it. Yeah. Right? Do you but I get I'm gonna it prove a lot you. or no? No. I don't get that a lot. Yeah. I, I, I do get more focus on our race, and it's because there's not a lot of us leading sure. in the nonprofit space. So the, 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 the handful, the 20 or so that, that are, we definitely stand out amongst the crowd because there's not a lot of us and we need more.
1: Yeah. What do you know now in your career that you wished you knew when you were starting out at Nationwide
2: Children's? <laughs> Two things. Relationships matter. Mm-hmm. They almost matter more than your technical skills and, and, and knowledge. And life just isn't about you. I love that.
1: Who is your biggest
2: role model or mentor? Oh my goodness, there's too many to to name. The the name that always comes up to me is is Janet Jackson, who the former CEO for United Way. She was tough as nails, hmm. but she pushed me to excellence. And I, you know, I think without her encouragement and ongoing support, we're still really great friends. And and um. You know, continue to meet to this day, and the the coaching and advice and the belief in me. She people aren't tough on on folks that they don't believe in. She really believed in me, and then of course my mom. Watching her navigate later in life, finishing college, she just I just admire her tenacity and toughness because it was hard. She what was, did she major in? Like
0: what? Uh, public
2: name? policy public policy this this mom that I mean, at 17 got right us. and she was like we will not stay in this situation hmm. i'm going to go back to school and she went back to school got her undergrad she was working two jobs put herself through through college and then had an opportunity after she moved back from um charlotte north carolina she, you know, took an opportunity, took a job for the Ohio State University, and said, "I'm not going to squander this opportunity," and went to school, fifty percent tuition. That's right? right. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. She's like, "I'm not squandering this opportunity. I know I'm only about a decade away from from uh, retirement, and I could coast on out of here. Yep. but I'm going to obtain this because that was her lifelong dream of graduating from Ohio State. Yeah. So yeah. I just, I again, I go back to what I said earlier. I I could not be more. The roles are reversed about being so proud. I'm mm. just so proud you know, of her. Yeah. Those sac- these are the sacrifices that I that a lot of women make that we don't tell this other side of the story. You know, a lot of folks will see this end result. You know, they see me now. Our students see me now. They Mm -hmm. think there's no way she can relate until we start sharing those stories of like, let me tell you about cleaning office buildings, working at children's hospital and going to school so that I could ends me. And then people can, folks want to connect to real folks. Yes, we watch all the reality TV and we're like daydreaming (laughs) about being rich and famous, but people really connect with real people that have similar backgrounds, similar stories that have, you know, defined success for themselves. And I think that's what women leadership is doing right now. It's like, I'm okay being labeled a woman because we're defining success for ourselves. We're giving up those old-fashioned, you know, rules of a mom can't work and, and raise a family. And we're defining that, what it means to be successful for ourselves. And I just, I appreciate that. Yeah. We, I, I have worked for some badass women that have helped yeah. me get to this point.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much and sharing thank your you. story. Like, I just loved getting to know you and, <laughs> and hearing you. that authentic story. And I'm sure we'll get a ton of people... Calling in after listening to it, saying the same. So thank thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Thank you. This was fun. Awesome.